0: Hello, welcome everyone. Look at all
1: those faces I'm scrolling through to see you all. It's 55 degrees here today in Austin. It's shockingly different than it's been. And uh, it's been, uh, I'm not a big, I'm so ready for the heat to end, you know, after surviving the long summer in Texas. I was born and raised here, so I'm used to it, but uh, it does wear on one after a while. And so I always look forward to the first cool, dry breeze of fall where it only gets up to maybe 75 degrees, it's 50 degrees in the morning, and I bring all this up because it's still so funny to me that it only takes me about the first hour where I go, I'm cold, I don't like it. (laughs) So we're always bumping up against uh, our likes and dislikes, greed, hate, and delusion, it's never quite right, but it's so much better and now I'll get ready to complain all winter about being cold. All right, I think it's a few minutes after, so why don't we sit together for a few moments?
0: Good afternoon, everyone.
1: My name is Todd Bankler. It's my pleasure to fill in for Flint this week, who is just completing his travels. It's good to see you all. Welcome to Inquiry, where we inquire about our practice together and meet each other together. I thought, uh, for my little reflection at the beginning here, I would bring you um, a quick talk from Fudd's teacher, Blanche Hartman. If you don't have this book, Seeds for a Boundless Life, I highly recommend it, it's um, collections of her talks, they're all, she must have been a not a verbose person, (laughs) they're all small, quick. And very plainly spoken, she has a way to cut right to the truth of things uh, without getting too tripped up by Buddhist terms and esoteric teachings, it's very plain spoken. This one is called A Greatly Enlightened Being is Subject to Everything. And that title means something. It's, it's um, kind of comes from an old Zen koan, which a student asks if the enlightened being is subject to the laws of causation or not. Often we have this uh, Curative fantasy, curative fantasy, that's a term Barry Magid uses. This fantasy of ourselves being cured by our practice, where we'll rise above um, the things that have us down or are the impact that the world has on us. So there's often this question is the greatly enlightened being subject to anything, everything, or not? So from Blanche. When we see someone whose compassionate heart is not developed, we should have more compassion for such a person, because the person is truly suffering. When people are caught up in greed or anger or delusion, they're suffering more, and they're likely to cause themselves yet more suffering by engaging in harmful actions. And since actions always have consequences, without exception, We can't escape the consequences of our actions. We should have deep compassion for people who are caught up in negative actions because they are making themselves a big bunch of trouble that they are bound to experience later. We must realize that whatever actions we undertake, we will experience a result. If we undertake unwholesome acts, we will experience unwholesome results. And when we take care and act from the light of the moon, when we act from the Buddha mind that is in each of us, then the result will be wholesome. And when we forget and act out of greed, hate, and delusion, the result will be painful. When we recognize without any doubt that if we act from unwholesome thoughts or motives, from harmful motives, we will experience suffering. It really helps us to live a life more beneficial, not only to ourselves, but to everyone around us. Are our motives altruistic? Is our intention to relieve suffering? Intention is the key to whether actions are wholesome or not. What I want to recommend to you is to see the light of the moon in every drop of water. See Buddha mind, Buddha heart in everyone. Connect with that part of each person you meet. Be aware of your motives, what motivates your actions. Be sure that your motivations is altruistic. The more of us who conduct ourselves in such a way, the more we'll enjoy this life. I like this talk. She starts with a great reminder that um, when you see a particular behavior, it's often the result of all the karmic consequences that came before it. All the um, causes and conditions, experiences, family of origin, that that particular person exhibiting the behavior was exposed to, Their inner world, their belief system. Peg used to say when she was caught by someone that was um, acting poorly or unhelpfully or caught in their own system of thinking or closed opinions that was causing harm in thoughts, words, or deeds, she would take a moment to consider, I wonder what that person must have experienced in their life to come to that place. I wonder what their history was like. This is our bodhisattva vow. The vow to bring a little bit of freedom and liberation to each moment in each experience. That's how we liberate all beings. And so it's often um, remembering our bodhisattva vow that can help us in these situations. We're looking for a chant. hold on. Bodhisattva's vow, page nine, for you following along at home. When I, a student of the way, look at the real form of the universe, all is the never-failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of the awakened life. All. All, (laughs) Not, not mostly all. In any event, in any moment, and in any place, none can be other than this marvelous revelation of its glorious light. Who can be ungrateful or not respectful, even to senseless things, not to speak of humans? Even though they may be fools, be warm and compassionate toward them. If by any chance they should turn against us, become sworn enemies and persecute us, We should bow down with humble language in the reverent understanding that they are the merciful messengers of the awakened one. Who use devices to emancipate us from blind tendencies. Produced and accumulated upon ourselves by our own egoistic delusion and attachment. May we extend this mind to all beings, so that we and the world together may attain maturity in the wisdom of the awakened life. That's our vow. To turn each moment in each encounter a little bit more towards awakening towards freedom liberation it's a practice it's a vow and a practice but often we get caught we get caught by our ideas of how it should be we get caught by our attraction to the way we want it we get caught by our aversion to the way we don't want it So if you've been practicing in this way and finding it a little sticky, we can meet, we can talk about it and maybe turn it a little more, more towards awakening here together. So I invite your inquiries. Let's practice together. Hi, Todd. Hello, Francis.
2: Thank you for your preparation. Um, I, of course, I have trouble with looking at some people compassionately. I, usually, they're not people I that I actually know. I'm just people, particularly right now, for me, political moral leaders. Yeah, you know, ju- there's a judgment, but. I live in a town that is, um, we're not a sanctuary city, but we are uh, a, com- a city of compassion. So we have a rather large um, homeless uh, homeless shelter here in network. And the area of town I live in, I drive past that uh, usually three or four times a day. And I see the people walking to and from there. And one of the things that I've, I have found myself doing, it's actually the first time in my life I've ever had that much exposure uh, to homeless people. But one of the things I find that I do is I envision them as toddlers. And it it touches my heart in a way that... Um, and because some of them are pretty bedraggled looking now, but I think about them when they were beautiful little somebody's beautiful little child, and what happened. Most of them probably have drug issues, but what happened? Because they came into the world you know, as beautiful babies, but I don't see them as babies for some reason. I jump to that toddler stage when they're. Uh, just a little toddling around people, but that's all. Thank you for your, for your kind reminders about our interactions with those people who um, sometimes are difficult to, to open our hearts to.
1: Thank you. Thank you for your example. What I hear you saying is a little perspective shift practice a little technique of playing a mental game to look at people differently. But it has the, maybe this is a question, it sounds like it has the byproduct of helping you find that compassionate spot in your heart and opening it towards them a little bit rather than letting yourself shut down in the normal ways. And that's a very important practice to develop our hearts actively. All-
2: well so often uh you know we're around people who are more like us than are than around people who are different. And uh it's been really helpful to me to have this we actually have the homeless shelter not too far from our neighborhood. So we get to drive past it a lot. And it's and it's been helpful. It's it brings it more home every day that hear these people and they're very from what I can see they're very sweet people you know, I always see them approach each other with a hug or a handshake uh, it, <laughs> it's been amazing to watch them pushing their shopping carts full of their worldly goods and backpacks and well, it's good experience it's been a good experience for me My neighborhoods before had people mostly like I was. But it opens your heart every day.
0: It does. Thank
2: you. We have Joel next.
3: Hi, Todd. Hi, Joel. I'm glad you can hear me. I'm actually not muted anymore. Um, thank you for your service to Appamata and for everything you've done and, and thanks for being in that chair today. Um, it It's great to see you there. Uh, I really appreciated what Francis was just talking about because it, it's close to what I wanted to ask about as well. Um, I'm living in Albuquerque now and just got back late yesterday from being in Austin. Uh, but um, there are lots of homeless people in Albuquerque, and lots of people with apparently serious drug issues, and you know, there's serious things going on. And the 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 community is um, in general uh, active and, and and doing its best to help with this. Group of people who um, uh, have life so hard, you know. And I think of my own self that I'm, I'm so blessed, so comfortable, have so many resources, and so on. But my my question is: uh, I know that you have that you have more than once led the precepts practice, uh, the 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 classes on on practicing the precepts, and um, my question has to do with kind of the bridge between mindfulness and actually stepping into action and responsibility in the world. That um, you know, I'm in, I'm getting involved with the local food bank, but it's not gonna it's not gonna change anything. I mean, it will change things only in in Infinitely small ways, perhaps. Not, it's not going to really overnight transform anything, you know. Except me,
0: <laughs> somebody
3: who gets <laughs> who gets off the couch and goes to a food bank once a week, you know. But I, I'm just my my question has to do what with this this issue. In in a world where things seem So concrete and and where it's so difficult to make any change in people's lives. What does our practice call us to do?
1: Well, you kind of stole the punchline at the end there. You know, as you were talking about it not having any impact in the world. (laughs) You know, that's a really limited view when look, when it looks at the, the problem as out there and separate from me. But as you said at the end, it has a big impact on you. Stepping forward has a big impact on you. Your way of being in the world, your heart, what you bring to the situation. And often we want to Make light of that, to dismiss that. But some of the things that we study here is that we're all interconnected, right? And we all, in our intentional acts, send ripples out into the world. And many of you are here, I mean, this is a large crowd, I didn't see the numbers, but usually, oh, there it is 40 something people. <laughs> um, A lot of that is the result of of the way that someone like Flint simply meets people. The presence and the heart that he brings to an encounter, it has an impact. I think most people here would, would raise their hand and say, yeah, it has an impact. So that's what our practice teaches us. Our practice is you know, taking the one seat in the center of everything, bringing an upright, dignified, embodied presence to it, and bowing not to turn away. Whatever comes, you let it come. Shopping carts pushed and all. We work hard to not scar over our hearts, to not run away, to not turn away, to become a bigger container that realizes that we can witness it. We can cry, laugh, but we won't ultimately be destroyed by it. We can handle it. And then maybe we'll do something.
0: Thank you, Todd. It's good to
1: see you. It's been a long time.
4: Yes, it has. It's really a pleasure seeing you there today. I wonder sometimes, so where's Todd? (laughs) But then, Pete, you're probably wondering, where's Gail? Here we
0: are.
4: Yeah. Um, Yeah. This is a beautiful topic. and listening to Francis and Joel, um, and you speak, it's reminding me of a, um, a practice that I have had to kind of dip into a lot lately. And um, I've been triggered lately with family issues, and I'm always seem to get sucked in when I listen to the news, you know, and find something, you know, that seems like it shouldn't be the way it is. And some person shouldn't be the way they are. And um, so I kind of came to a place where it was really causing me a lot of suffering. And then I remember to practice, and you may have heard of it. In fact, probably a lot of the people here listening may have heard of uh, Ho Ho'oponopono. Um, it's a Hawaiian uh, teacher who has a mantra or a prayer, or um, it's very, very short. But I found that if I say it silently over and over and over when I'm triggered, it shifts my perception and the dynamic of the situation. And it basically goes, um, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I love you, and then thank you. And it's interesting to me that when I started repeating it in a situation that happened recently, silently, um, it kind of, it works whether I believe it or not. I wasn't really feeling that I was sorry or that I wanted to forgive somebody. Or, you know, thanking them for the way they engendered what I thought was this activity that upset me. But in repeating it, it seemed to kind of, um, it quieted my mind. And then something in me, something in me believes it. And in that moment, it's forgiving myself for feeling the way I've been feeling as well as this outside situation or person. It's like, it's one of the most powerful things, um, you know, that I was able to do recently. It really shifted. And so it was shifting my perception. Um, you know, the way that, um, Francis was talking about, you know, having a little visual of toddlers and, um, you know, Joel wondering what can he bring. I find that shifting the dynamic with me is the most important thing because I am not separate from the other person or the situation. I am enmeshed with it. And whether I believe it or not, I am sorry. I do wish to be forgiven. I love the situation, the person and myself. And I am grateful for the event that has caused me to turn to my own suffering and find a way to, find a way to meet it. So, um, yeah, I just, you know, kind of wanted to share that and uh, thank everybody here for, you know causing me to reflect um at the power of our own our own perceptions
1: thank you thank you for helping to open us up we open each other up yes that that perspective shift sometimes changes the one thing that we can change in, in the situation, and, and that is who the other person meets, which part of us they meet. And if you're, right. awake, if you're awake and aware enough, you get to choose. If you're not, it just happens.
4: It changes the energy. It changes the energy. For me, when I stop and get quiet, and it does involve being still, which is, you know, it's our core practice. Thank you. Hello,
0: Eric.
5: How's Florida? Uh, Well uh i'm actually in in austin right now uh, I, w- I was sitting outside of alpamata I-, I didn't read the directions online <laughs> uh and thought that we were meeting in person but I-, I saw that it was a a zoom thing um so uh yeah uh, I- i'm not a-, a super big uh technology i'm more of an analog kind of guy but i'm I'm really glad to see you guys offering all of these online services and um i'm just gonna have to get on board because <laughs> i'm i missed you guys pretty immensely. Um, it's really, really glad to see you. Uh, and I was, I, I guess I raised my hand, um, after Joel, um, I, I thought about the origin story of, of the Buddha, uh, and his way seeking mind for so many years was finally awakened with that bowl of, of rice. Um, so that those, those offerings that, you know, I, I think we, oftentimes don't think are enough are sometimes the very thing that actualizes the fundamental point. Um, so I'm saying this as someone who I, I've, I've not been, uh, practicing, um, for the last several years, I think, but, um, you know, just really grateful to be, I feel like back on the path. Um, and yeah, that, that was the, the main thing that was, considering is that you know these and, and I've, I've grappled i think with that same question that joel is grappling with with um you know nothing ever just feels like enough there, there's so much suffering in the world um and it, it just you know it feels like we can never get ahead of it or on top of it or, or make a real change but um i guess even if that's the case and it all falls apart that doesn't change the practice of offering yourself in whatever way you can um so that's what i'm making effort towards um when when i I feel like you know for for a while i haven't been and you know the the life that has unfolded has made all of the talk that you made uh this morning and or at the start of it with blanche hartman uh makes sense it's the, the the life just you know it's, it's it's an easier, more wholesome life to live when that's the intention. Um, so anyway, that's pretty much all I have to say, I guess. Uh, it's good to be back in Austin. Um, Florida's hot. It's humid. It's full of people that I have to imagine as toddlers. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I'm just glad to, glad to be here. Glad to see you.
0: It's good to see you, too.
5: You need to come up and... Uh
1: grab
5: a hug before you drive away
0: after this is
6: over. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. Well, Todd, thank you. Um, I think that this topic is really important for us to consider periodically in our lives or maybe every day when we bump into it. But, uh, you know, the the whole thing where, where we can see, everyone somehow with with the compassion and how and and one of the things that I raised my hand because of was when Gail was talking and sharing the the mantra that that uh, she did um I think that in our when she said you know that I'm not necessarily actually sorry or something like that. Um, sorry is one of the things that's a, a bit of a twisted thing in our culture, because it's saying when we say I'm sorry, people hear I'm I'm the one responsible and I'm to blame or whatever that is, and and so like that, but really what, what it means in the language and I think is more meaningful is to recognize I have sorrow. And, and that is something that can always be true without needing to carry an idea of blame or, or yes, I have responsibility my actions and, and my speech that that I may be that may be the cause of my sorrow but I think that the, and, and so I've just changed it and try to use that when I would be wanting to say I'm sorry that what I'm saying is I have sorrow um, and I think that that helps me and the other person to be able to have an exchange about some of that when they say it out loud, and um, and I think that that there are many, like every every place every place we go. But I think that as as Francis was saying, as Joel was saying, it's important for us to stretch the places we go to, in terms of the the range of compassion that we in, encounter and engage with uh, in terms of other people's experience of life. And certainly I I have landed someplace where there's there's no lack of circumstances that would call on compassion because I'm living in a, an assisted living now. And the amount of suffering in one way and another, whether it's the residents or the staff or whoever there's there's just like every day plenty of of things there and yes there is the bigger world but i am here and this is where i can where i can touch other people's lives in in my own and and that's a hard thing for me to 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 get to have gotten that idea that it's it's, it's where I am that I can have the most effect. And, and instead of like what I was doing, much of my youth was like, I'm going to help change the world. And I would try to be involved in big movements of various ways and so on. And it's, it's a rich practice for me now to recognize the detail and to each person. And myself. And so I just I just wanted to say, I think there's many places that we bump into these things where we might have our brothers, we might have a preference about something and whatever. But yes, if we can find our compassion within ourselves, for ourselves as well, and with the person we're engaged with, that's where it's that's where it's gonna have its ripple effect so thank you so very much
1: you're welcome Suzuki Roshi would say to to light up one corner of the world to shine one corner of the world sometimes that's the best we can do
0: and the
6: light continues on beyond where we see it land
7: Hi, Todd. Wait, is this allowed? The
1: monitor can just
7: jump in? <laughs> I'm gonna ask you if it's okay while we wait for somebody to raise their hand. <laughs> just jump in with you, of course. <laughs> um, I, this is a little bit of a gear shift, but I wanted to thank you for um, reading the Bodhisattva vow. This is one of our chants that has just really deeply touched me since the very first time I ever heard it. and I. Um, I mentioned it even in my way-seeking mind talk because it feels like a really big part of my practice. Um, and in particular, I was sitting this morning um, during zazen with the image of the koan of the um, of when Buddha just holds up a a lotus flower, and that's his sermon, and the monk smiles. And uh, I I was using this as a bit of a concentration practice, just just thinking about this image. And the bodhisattva vow came to mind. uh, In particular, the line where, uh, let's see if I can put it here for for everyone that yeah, then on each moment's flash of our thought, there will grow a lotus flower. And on each lotus flower, there will be revealed perfection unceasingly manifest as our life just as it is right here and right now. And I feel like this line is really speaking to what uh, what Becky was saying and, and Gail too, and what so many of us are saying it's um, it's this internal blossoming So I just wanted to thank you because I don't know how these things happen. This, you know, this coincidence that this line comes to mind during Zazen and then there you are reading it, but um, yeah.
1: You were only sitting, you know, three feet away from me. So I'm sure I just read your
5: mind. (laughs)
8: Uh, Well,
7: thanks for reading it out loud. (laughs)
1: Those of you who may be hesitating, almost raising your hand, just remember, this isn't necessarily for you. Meaning you may be be the one who's talking, but it might be for someone else.
8: Hello, Todd. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you so much. Uh, I, like Jessica, um, was so grateful that you read The Bodhisattva Vow by um, Torji Zenji. It's not one that I'm um, very familiar with, but it did come to mind um, because I've been very aware this last week of holding both the sublime and great sadness Um And um, some of the people spoke to that today about how we, how is that possible? And especially when you highlighted that word all in the first lines, Um, I experienced great joy with my daughter's wedding and great sadness with learning of the death of a good friend all within a matter of a few days. And when I heard of my friend's death, i didn't quite know how to put it alongside the joy and then i was reminded of both the bodhisattva vow and our relational practice that um especially the container that our practice helps us create and not just personally but as a sangha as a community as a collective and your talk today really helped me Kind of solidify that. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna use those first lines of that in my uh, midweek reflection email that I send out to our sangha. So thank you so much, Todd. Thank yeah, you. Very very helpful today.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, isn't it amazing that we can have everything at once? Yes. Both sides, happiness, sadness,
8: mm-hmm.
1: can all be there.
8: Hmm. Hmm.
1: We don't. We don't have to pick.
8: We don't have. We can't pick. Actually, that's what I discovered. Mm-hmm. Is I and I didn't want to pick. My my momentary uh, experience was a kind of a shadow that occurred, and then I went, "No, there's no shadow here. This is just all of what life has to offer." So thank you, thank you so much.
1: Mm -hmm. Often in this practice, people feel that they're waiting for some transformation to happen to them, rather than what Francis was describing in the beginning, deciding that you want to see people with compassion, that you want to see them with an open heart. And sometimes you have to look at them as toddlers to do it.
0: That's Buddha.
1: That's sudden enlightenment.
0: Maria,
9: hello. Hi. <clears throat> yeah, it's just wonderful listening to every, everybody today. And um, and I was just thinking about what you said before, I, I, it's always stayed with me that light up one corner of the world, you know, that kind of trying to exhaust myself at one point, like Becky was saying, trying to do so many things, but it's that kind of just that one corner of the world, and you don't know how much that's changing everything. There's so many people here today um, that have changed my life. And they they probably don't even know. I mean, I try to share it with people when these things happen. And but so it, it's it's kind of how much we don't do that sometimes. It's like somebody's just given me a kind word when I'm having a difficult time. You've done it yourself, Todd, in a in a practice discussion on an intensive, and the words just lifted me. And Joel's done it, and Josh and Marla, and there's so many people here, and Donna and that have um, over the years when I've been having a difficult time, it can be a touch on the shoulder. I can turn round and they've just smiled at me. And it's those little bits of kindness that change everything, that can change someone's day completely. And then that changes anyone else's day that they meet. You know, and it's that kind of, it's the power of that that never ceases to amaze me that i've experienced so i you know it's kind of remembering that that's when someone's struggling that we it's just offering that we don't have to have all these wise words or do these um huge tasks or any anything it's just it's it's like that a few kind words invigorator I can't remember who said it but it's so true you know that little email that somebody's dropped into my inbox and it's like oh you know or that that kind of you're doing okay Maria you're doing all right keep going keep going it's all right you know and it changes everything for that person and then it changes how I am how I go forward and and I think it's those little things that, that we miss. I mean, like it amazed me when Joel was talking and he said, you know, I'm just sorting out the, the food bank and I don't know what difference it's going to make. It's like just Joel being there, them knowing Joel is going to change lives. You know, it's going to change those people's lives because of who Joel is and what Joel offers and what Joel exudes. It's that thing, isn't it? It's what we exude, what we... What we kind of it's like being careful about what we exude because it has everything that we do has an impact, whether it's negative or positive, so it's always being mindful of what we're what we're putting out what what we're giving out. And uh, yeah, and so, like I said, so many people have offered me that in the tiniest, it can be a micro thing, but it's so big. And it is, it's that. And for me, taking care of my corner of the world, which has become a bit bigger now because we've got we've got Zoom and we can reach different corners of, you know, little people's living rooms all all over the world. And so many of those people, like the people in After Inquiry, the people at in After Zazen and, and who, who I sit with every day have, have um, had that have changed my life mm-hmm. yes, you know, and, it, and encouraged me so that I can, that it, it, it pays forward, doesn't it? It all pays forward.
1: Just like we were saying at the beginning that looking at someone and wondering what all of the karmic consequences and causes and conditions brought them to who they are in that moment, that's always happening. We, mm. we know as a society that, you know, things like mass hysteria exist, right? They happen, right? But if that's true, is it also true that mass equanimity can exist? Mm -hmm. as Peg says, sometimes our role is just to be the one calm person in the life raft.
9: Mm. Yeah. And we've all had an experience of that, haven't we? We've all had an experience where we've been the one that's not calm and there's been a calm presence. And we've all experienced that difference that that makes. Mm-hmm. And they might not have done much, but it's right. changed everything.
1: So thank you. Thank you for bringing that up.
9: Thank you, Todd. Thank everyone you,
1: everyone, for your shared practice today. We can take our bodhisattva vow out into the world. Just like kinhin, we stand up, we take the first step of bringing this way, this big mind into the next step and off the cushion. So as we do that, it's good to remember our practice principles. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering.
7: you so much, Todd. And thank you, everyone for being here. Appamata's programs and facilities are because of you, because of all of you. Um, And if you are called to make a donation, you can do so online at appamata.org. I'll put it in the chat. And if you'd like, you can hang around for a little bit um, and visit with Maria on the virtual porch. Thank you all so much.